Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Frary and Smith podcast. Week 11 of Sunbelt football kicked off last night when Louisiana welcomed Southern Miss to Lafayette, Louisiana in the final midweek game of the 2023 season. Tomorrow is another strong slate of Sunbelt games that features one nationally televised game and numerous can't-miss matchups. We're excited to talk about it in a moment. But before we do, we wanted to tell you about Wednesday's episode. We welcomed Louisiana running back Jacob Cabote for our latest conversation in our Sunbelt Athlete Series. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, you're going to want to go back and make some time to do just that. Today, it's episode 146 of the show, Kane. We're getting close to 150, uh, approaching that milestone. It's time for our week 11 preview. We're excited to preview our game of the week between Coastal Carolina and Texas State. We'll break down Georgia State's chances at a first win over App State. We'll take a look at Arkansas State's chances or hopes of locking up a bull bid on Saturday. Caden, we'll discuss the Louisiana Southern Miss results on Monday. We've got another interesting slate of games on Saturday. What's got you hyped for the weekend? So many good matchups, Noah. All of the games, I think, individually have something to be excited about. Whether you're a Sunbelt fan or not, we can quickly get you up to speed on why a lot of these games matter, the importance of a lot of these games. And I think with a lot of these matchups, I'm really interested to see teams that kind of have stock going in the opposite direction or in the same direction. I feel like when you just look at the outlook for a lot of these teams with three months or three games rather left in the season, just an interesting different outlook for all these teams. Some teams are fighting for bowl eligibility. Some teams kind of know they're out of the championship brace, but have some high stock that they're looking to build upon as they head into next year. And some teams who maybe have disappointed this year are now fighting to prove that they're still dominant and their record could hopefully reflect a little bit better than the season they've had. So I think it's just interesting to watch all these teams now kind of in their full form in the month of November. Really excited to watch them kind of score off against each other with a lot of different things on the line for a lot of different teams. Yeah, certainly still a lot to play for for some teams, Caden. And like you said, there's teams that already know they're out of it. They're probably not making a bowl game. And now you're starting to build for next year. Well, we'll be previewing all the remaining games in week 11 of Sunbelt football on this episode. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to jump right into today's preview. All right, everyone, like we promised, we're previewing each of this weekend's matchups. Caden, we talked about it earlier, our game of the week, Coastal Carolina versus Texas State, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central on ESPN+. Plus. The only matchup of the weekend featuring two bowl-eligible teams in the Sun Belt. You've got Coastal Carolina and Texas State both becoming bowl-eligible a week ago. Coastal Carolina, Caden, might be the hottest team in the Sun Belt right now. Outside of James Madison, they've won four games dating back to that win against App State. Coastal Carolina, 3-1 and one all-time. The only loss came in 2017 during that pre-Chadwell era. Deshaun's 2-0 all-time in Conway. Kane, when you look at Coastal Carolina, they have won four games in a row, but the last three games have all looked different. You had the win against Arkansas State that Grayson McCall ends up exiting late with the concussion. You've got the dominant win over Marshall with Jared Guest. Then last week, you've got Ethan Vasco coming in, making his first career start. Three different quarterbacks, three different styles of wins. What would a win in this one look like for the Shots? First of all, we just can't understate how difficult this run has been. And I think with the quarterback position being the most important position, the fact that this team has been able to rally with different quarterbacks under center and back-to-back-to-back weeks and gets wins. There's not many teams in the country, probably a very, very small percent of teams in the country that'll be able to do this. So you have to give credit to Coach Beck, this entire staff, 
and really just all of the weapons that have surrounded this quarterback offensively, the offensive line play, and probably most importantly, the defense for doing these quarterbacks a lot of favors as far as them not having to really score a bunch in all of these given situations. But I think, like I mentioned, this is the most important position in the maybe all of sports when some people talk about it, when you think about across all sports and the fact that this team has been able to be so multiple with every different quarterback they've had and been able to win in a lot of different ways. It's very Troy-esque, but with different quarterbacks under center. But I think when you look at them last week, they had to lean on the run game and they did just that. They had 45 carries as a team with Vasco leading the way in that matchup. And they're going to have to continue to ride on that again. It looked different when they had Jarrett Guest at the helm. They were throwing the ball a little bit more. Obviously looks, obviously looks different with Grayson McCall. But this team and their style as far as an offense goes is, is different with Ethan Vasco. He's a big kid who can run downhill, who can do some things with his legs. And I think this offensive line especially showed that they can kind of embody that identity, have a downhill attack. And I think when you look at this game, they're going to have to continue to lean on that. And that's kind of going to be their formula, I think, going against this Texas State team. They're really going to have to rely on making the most of their shots when they do decide to use their weapons and playmakers out wide. They're going to have to rely on their defense probably more than ever, I think, as far as going up against a Texas State offense that's prolific in scoring and kind of doing your quarterback a favor, slowing the ball down with the run game, using the time of possession as much as you can, using Reese White a ton in the run game. I really like what I've seen from him this season. He's probably the most slept on, I think, running back, just given how many carries they give out there. But I think overall for Coastal Carolina, if they want to win in this one, they're going to have to use that same formula they used against Old Dominion, but it definitely changes a little bit with this Texas State team that has a little bit more firepower on the offensive side of the ball. Okay, and you speak about how important quarterbacks are. We can look at the your favorite team, the New York Giants, uh, to be able to talk about how in, or important quarterback play is. Let's talk Texas State. They are coming off of arguably their most impressive conference performance of the year. They put a beatdown on Georgia Southern. That's the only way to put it. Okay, this Texas State team, at times this year, they've looked dominant. At times, they've looked beatable. When you look at this program at the peak of their powers, how dangerous can this Texas State team be? Oh, super dangerous, Noah. I mean, we've rightfully given a ton of flowers to James Madison and Troy on this podcast for their dominance this season. But when it comes to to the top contenders and those teams right behind them, and it comes to being the most dangerous, I think it's pretty safe to say that this Texas State team and Georgia Southern probably have the highest ceilings in this conference as far as potential goes. A lot of that has to do with their offense. Obviously, that averages 36 points a game. That's absurd. They can light you up through the air and on the ground where they rank number one and number two in the conference right now. If they're firing on all cylinders, there's probably nobody more dangerous offensively. And there's not many offenses in the conference, quite frankly, that can keep up with that pace. All of the teams that we've seen be successful over the years in the conference, for the most part, have had to maintain some sort of balance on both sides of the ball and really just between their run game and pass game. But the fact that Texas State has been able to do that this season as an offense, being just as threatening on the ground as in the air is just is absolutely scary. And their defense, for the most part, has gotten the job done this year, given the circumstances they've had with an offense that kind of keeps them on the field a lot, just given the nature of their scoring. But their issue has been consistency. The offense will stall out sometimes for a half or a quarter. They've let teams back into games and taken their foot off of the gas, really in offensively and defensively and when they both come together it's the absolute worst for them but consistency is what it's all about when you talk about those top two teams like I mentioned James Madison and Troy those are teams for now two years that have been the model of consistency and that's why they're up there despite maybe not having the numbers and the flash that Texas State has right year so this year so I mean it's really going to be about can this team fire on all those cylinders and reach their potential and their full ceiling ceiling for four straight quarters in any given ball game but if they can even do it for three it seems like in two they've been in a lot of games so and this one it's going to be all about how consistent they can they be 
from the first whistle to the last. And they're just a really exciting team to watch and can't wait for them in this matchup for sure. Yeah, I think they're in a, a fascinating position as a program too, Caden. You're having to learn how to win football games. This is a program that has not won a lot of football games over the last several of years. And, and that is certainly a transition I think that most people don't talk about going from a loser to a winner. Caden, offensive skill players galore in this game. You look at the running back position alone, Ismail Mahdi for Texas State. You mentioned Reese White, C.J. Beasley. There's a number of talented guys. The wide receiver position equally is loaded. Joey Hobart, you've got Ashton Hawkins, you've got Pinckney, you've got Jared Brown, although a bit banged up for this matchup. How key are the role of some of these big-time players, these skill players, going to be in determining who wins this football game? It's a huge deal. And I think when you look at Coastal Carolina and some of their defensive prowess in this game, I think it's a huge factor as far as keeping the score and the pace of this game down. But I think the opposite side of that is the pace that these skill players on both sides of the ball have as far as when they get the balls in their the ball in their hands, they can make magic happen. They move the chains quickly. And a lot of these guys get into the end zone a lot. I think the quarterback positions obviously are very different in this game. We know Finley's been having an excellent season, one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the country. And Ethan Vasco will be now making his second career start as an undefeated starter for Coastal Carolina, but they both have weapons galore at their disposal. Vasco will need his stable of running backs to come through more than anything. I think in this game, he's going to be able to provide his abilities in the run game. He led the team in carries last week and yards, but I think Bennett, Beasley, Balthazar, Reese White, these are all dudes that have all different skill sets. They all fall forward when they run. They always move the chains, and I think they'll be a huge key in this game as far as Coastal Carolina's offensive success. And Sam Pickney has to be that consistent security blanket, red zone threat, big-time possession receiver, and Jared Brown's going to have to be that guy who's utilized a lot of different ways in the run game, has to be effective on some of those explosive plays. So I think when it comes to priority this week for Coastal, it's going to really lean on those running backs and their quarterback using his legs. But for App State, I, I mean, for Texas State, their top two skill guys, I think, can stand toe-to-toe with anyone in the conference when you look at Ismail Mahdi and Joey Hobart. Hobart's been the go-to guy in the past game all season, especially lately. He has 500-yard games. This year had his best game of the season last week against Georgia Southern. He's been super consistent. You could argue that Mahdi's maybe even been more consistent with his play. I think he's easily a top-five running back in the conference, which is saying a lot right now, especially coming into the season with what our expectations were with the position. And I think when you just look at him, he's definitely the most versatile back from what he brings in the return game as a rusher and what he does as a pass catcher out of the backfield. But I think it's not just those two, as you mentioned. You have Ashton Hawkins, who's still a matchup nightmare in the slot. You still have Cole Wilson, who has five touchdowns on the season. Love what I saw from the running back, Davenport, as their backup. They're loaded on offense. They have tons of weapons. And I think this game is going to be a weapons game. I wouldn't surprise we saw a couple hundred-yard rushers, a couple hundred-yard receivers in this game. I think we have some potential for fireworks, just given the firepower both of these teams have offensively at their skill spots. Two dangerous offensive teams, that is for certain. Texas State, a one-point favorite, Caden over under at 16 and a half if you're asking for my opinion that seems a bit low how are you leaning on this matchup I'll start with the points because I actually don't think it's as low as, as we could imagine it being for this game and I think we could see it actually hit the under I'm going to take the under on this one I think we saw Texas State really run the ball well last week and that allowed them to win the time with the possession and I think Coastal Carolina with Vasco at the quarterback is going to be doing the same thing as well. So I think Coastal Carolina's defense might be able to keep the score down a little bit. And I think both teams are going to try to run the ball a little bit more in this matchup. So maybe I'll take the under on the points here for the first time in a Texas State game in a while. But as far as winners and losers in this game, I want to, on paper, every single time pick Texas State because it always seems like they'll win the matchup. 
But I'm going to go with Coastal Carolina on this one. I'm just going to take their veteran experience, kind of some of that championship DNA we've seen in this team now, being able to win four consecutive games after starting off 0-2 in conference play. I think to me, they've just shown more fight, more grit. We saw that in the Old Dominion game. And I think if this game is a close one, just given the history of what we've seen from Coastal Carolina this year, they're going to have the players step up in the biggest moments possible and pull out a win. So give me Coastal Carolina to win, which means they cover. But I'll take the under on the points. I think they're going to be able to dictate the pace of this game despite Texas State coming off of their best conference game of the season. Okay, and I'll be honest, I think you just convinced me. I'm going to take the under on the points, too. I think uh, your explanation, it makes a ton of sense there. I do think we will see the running games for both sides. You mentioned, you know, Vasco and his ability to run the football. I think that could play big if he's the starter. I think that's the big if. Maybe Guest is back. I know Grayson McCall uh, even had a a physical today. He was trying to get cleared for this football game. Caden, I feel like Coastal Carolina's got to feel a little disrespected right now. They've won four games in a row. They're back at home, and they're a one-point underdog to a team that has not made a bowl game in their program's history. I think Coastal Carolina's coming out with a point to prove here. I think the Shots have a very clear way to get right back into this championship conversation if they can win this football game, keep winning down the stretch, particularly if you get Grayson back. So give me Coastal Carolina to win this game, and like you, I'm going to take the under on the points as well. Okay, let's move on to our second matchup. Number 21, James Madison versus UConn. I've got five minutes for us to talk about this, and I'm not going to talk much about the game. Let's just be honest. There's some other things that we need to get to. Uh, but one of two Sunbelt teams playing out of conference this week, ODU versus Liberty, the JMU-UConn game, both matchups against undefeated teams, which I think is quite interesting. This is the first meeting between these two programs since 1999. James Madison Four and one all time, three and zero at Bridgeforth, and the Dukes have a chance to move to a perfect ten and zero. And Kane, that's where we're going to spend some time here. James Madison has started to fight behind the scenes a little bit for a, a chance at a bowl game, a chance to perhaps be eligible for a conference championship. And I think rightfully so at this point. We've always said if they continue to win, the pressure was going to become greater. I'm just curious, Tiny, to hear your perspective. Should James Madison be eligible for a bowl, Caden? And should these rules be changed that allow them to, to play for a conference championship? And is that good for the Sun Belt? Yeah, it's really an interesting predicament. I feel like between this and the Michigan sign-stealing investigation right now, there's just a lot of different discourse and interesting discourse as far as college football, the state we're in right now, rules, how they should be changed, made, all that kind of stuff. And I think JMU is just a very interesting case study as far as a team and a program who is now breaking the standard as far as rules that were kind of meant to protect them. I've been seeing a lot of discourse on Twitter as far as what the rules were really meant to be for apparently keeping teams from jumping back and forth between the FCS, FBS, all of this stuff. You're obviously seeing a lot of fans who have a ton of, ton of opinions about the situation, and it's kind of hard as a fan to take your bias out of it. Of course, if you're a JMU fan, you want to see this. And of course, if you're an opposing fan in the Sun Belt, you're going to say, oh, this, that, and the other. We don't want to see JMU in these situations. Especially if you're a team, some teams in the past who have maybe been eligible for a rule like this and haven't gotten it. I think just the Twitter discourse surrounding this whole JMU situation is very interesting. But I think when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, this is unequivocally one of the best teams in the country. It's to my knowledge that um, when it comes to the conference, conference title game, it's going to depend on other schools in the Sun Belt having to vote on James Madison being in the conference title game. I don't think that's going to happen. I can't imagine teams in the Sun Belt voting for James Madison as their opposition to be in it and the ethics as far as having a team non-conference eligible for a championship. And then all of a sudden, after extreme success, being eligible for it, that's a different topic as far as the ethics of that. But I think when it comes down to should this team play in a bowl game, it's absolutely 
this is a they should play in a not in just a bowl game they should play in a good bowl game against a good team they have a chance in this season to double the requirement as far as bowl wins if they go 12 and 0 and run the table and it just makes sense it just makes sense to watch the best teams in the country play other best teams in the country during bowl season bowls are harmless they don't mean anything to fans on a certain perspective and then to the players it means a lot more they have the moments the memories i think this james madison team definitely deserves that and they've definitely garnered that i think it makes a lot of sense to my knowledge it sounds like this is something that's fully up to the ncaa which is never a sentence you want to hear so i don't know how hopeful as far as you should be with james madison being able to play in this bowl we'll see but i think look when you look at their proposal it was very convincing james madison got to flex their muscles a little bit they're a fantastic athletic department they have one of the top 25 best teams in the football country right now. And they have all the information nationally to back all that stuff up. So let's watch this team play in a bowl game against another ranked team. I think it makes too much sense. It's going to be profitable for the NCAA. It's going to be profitable for the media companies. We know that's a big priority, probably too much of a priority when it comes down to the state of college football right now. But teams want to see this team play nationally because they're a great team. They deserve the recognition. They deserve the bowl game. Not going to speak so much on the conference championship part, but I think it's a lock as far as James Madison should be in a bowl game and has deserved and earned that opportunity. Yeah, Caden, a lot to unpack there. I think, you know, one thing that that did stood out is the Sunbelt, you know, has said that if James Madison is granted eligibility to play in a bowl game, meaning a a waiver is given of sorts, they would then be eligible for the conference championship game. And and certainly I think you could make an argument that they have been the best team in the East so far to this point. Uh, I I thought it was interesting you brought up Michigan as well, because if if you read the letter that James Madison actually sent to the NCAA, there was a veiled shot there at that Michigan program that many think aren't following the rules. So I think the last thing, Kane, I just want to throw this in. It was rich for me coming from an App State fan to hear that bowls don't mean anything, because that has been the argument uh, for why this program is is in clear, um, you know, clearly devolving. Caden, we had another point here, but we went over on time. So let's just jump right in and make a pick on this matchup. JMU's 25 and a half point favorite over under sitting at 48 and a half. Do the Huskies have any chance in this game, Cato? Jordan McLeod in a press conference this week did say that UConn is not as bad as their record is. And I think that is true. Jim Morris guys do play hard. This is going to be a hard fought game probably from the start, but we know what James Madison's capable of and we know what they do. I think this James Madison team, it's really about who's going to step up. We hate to see Jalen Green getting injured, but who's going to now step up on the defensive line. There's a bunch of guys up there now who are going to have some more opportunities who have already been having great seasons, all conference caliber guys. And on the offense, we've seen Reggie Brown, Jalen McLeod, seen all of the weapons they have there kind of take turns as far as who is going to have the dominant performance. You think about Horton as well in the mix, Elijah Surratt. So I think it's just going to be about who's going to do the damage in the game for James Madison. So yes, I think they're going to win. I think they're going to cover. I think they're going to do their share as far as the points. And so I'm going to take the over just coming off that Georgia State win. But I also do want to stamp it that I do care about bowl games. Trust me. I know as a player, they matter a lot. I was just saying before that there's just a lot of discourse as far as players playing in bowl games not playing in bowl games during the season do fans care about them all that stuff i think as far as bowl games and some of the harmless nature of a bowl game and the novelty of it it's right to have james madison in there and it's probably going to be because they're going to win this game and continue their win streak so give jimmy james madison to win cover and i'll take the over on the points hey i have seen the case of bowl rings in your bedroom i clearly know that you care about playing in bowl games caden I've got James Madison winning this one. I think they can cover in this game. UConn is not a very good football team this year. I do have a soft spot. We both do like Jim Mora, but uh, I think James Madison is a juggernaut. They're moving to 10-0, and uh, and I do think that there is a, a chance here that they hit the over on these points, uh, particularly just on their own. So give me James Madison to win and cover. I'm going to take the over in this matchup. 
We move on to Georgia State versus App State. Caden, a one-sided history in this matchup. This game's going to be at 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central on ESPN+. Georgia State has never won a game against App State. They have nine straight losses dating back to 2014. And Caden, I did some math here quick. You might have to check it. But average margin of victory for App State over Georgia State, 25 points per game in this series history. App State won in Boone last year. You probably remember that massive rushing performance, 407 yards in that game. I think that was the game we all thought App State was back and then it didn't end well. Caden, the Mountaineers have a chance to become bowl eligible for a win. but when you look at Georgia State's slow starts and poor finishes have marred uh, these last couple weeks of the season, uh, you know, back-to-back losses at this point. There was the win against Louisiana, but all their points came in the first half. Didn't do a nice job in that second half. Caden, how important is it to play a complete game if you're the Panthers, if they hope to beat the Mountaineers for the first time on Saturday? I think it's unequivocally the most important thing for this team. I mean, this team plays complete football games, they're dominant. And when they don't, they kind of refer to the team and kind of get back to the team we saw last year that was a little bit more inconsistent. I mentioned before, and you mentioned it here, they didn't show up for the second half against James Madison. They didn't show up for the first half against Georgia Southern. And their offense really only appeared in the second quarter in that win against Louisiana that they won on the last play of the game, thanks to that interception from Pringle in their own end zone. So they were really on some thin ice right there. And I think this team in this game, just has to get off to a good start. Just That's just where the negotiations start if you're kind of a team that's been inconsistent from a quarter-to-quarter or half-to-half basis. You have to get a good start and because I think mainly it's clear that this offense is methodical. You're going to see a lot of Marcus Carroll. Granger is a lot more surgical of a player now. We haven't seen a shootout or a come-from-behind victory from this team in a while just because of kind of the pace they play at. They like to run the ball a lot. They like to get their take their shots when they can, and they're just not really built for those shootout games, and we really saw that against Georgia Southern where they had a great effort in the second half, but those were points, yards. Those are all stuff that didn't matter despite the game being out of hand and them getting the yardage. They just haven't been able to play a complete game in a while. So they have proven pieces on both sides of the ball. We haven't really seen them play up to that potential since that four-game winning stretch, but we know because of that to start the season that they were capable of doing that and can get back to that. So the question I think with a couple games left this season is going to be, can they kind of propel themselves and get on another winning stretch as they end the season with consistent play on both sides of the ball from a quarter to quarter basis? We know this team's talented. We've met some other players. We know this program has a different edge, energy, and intensity about them from top to bottom, I think, as a program right now. The question is, can they tap into some of that same fire we saw earlier in the season and play a complete game? Because I think it's going to come down to that for sure in this game. You mentioned kind of how lopsided the history is in this game, but I think there's no question on either side that I think both teams feel like this is going to be probably the closest and most evenly matched game they've had in quite some time. Yeah, real chance, I think, for Georgia State here to, I mean, you can call it an upset. They haven't beaten App State, so let's call it what it is. Caden, when you look at the App State program, there's some newfound momentum, you know, right now. You have, you know, the win against Southern Miss two weeks ago, and now, you know, you beat Marshall 31-9 to this past weekend, albeit uh, those are two wins against teams that, Caden, you and I don't feel very strongly against. I mean, Marshall's been bad in this second half of the season. Southern Miss has not been good this year, so I think it's tough to judge maybe where the Mountaineers are. What do they need to do to deliver against a stronger level of competition on Saturday? 
No, it's a great point, Noah, because that's really just what's been the glaring issue of this team the past last season and looking at this season. I saw a graphic on Twitter that listed about 30 teams and what their record would be if every one possession game and overtime game went the opposite way. And App State didn't make the graphic and the record was eight and one. That's what this team would be if they had the ball bounce their way in the fourth quarter in some close games in an overtime this year. It was great to watch this team put together multiple wins in a row, two wins in a row for the first time since they beat Georgia State and Robert Morrison back-to-back weeks in October. But like you mentioned, they did it against two teams that have a combined two wins in conference play this season. So the issue right now in booting the elephant in the room is big moments and facing good teams. So in order to change that history, that recent history that they've had at least, they're going to have to finish. It's really simple. They're going to have to deliver in the second half in the fourth quarter against tough competition and do what they've done in the past when this team was hoisting championships. Joey Aguilar has been dealing. Their offense has been putting up numbers and scoring at will this year. This defense has to hold up their end of the bargain. They're still the worst rushing defense in the conference right now, and they're going up against Marcus Carroll and Darren Granger, who are proficient at running the ball. So I think it's pretty simple what this App State team has to do. They always had the talent. They've always had the personnel. They've always had the home field advantage usually, and in this game, it's not going to be much of a factor. I have fond memories of playing at Georgia State and a lot of the team being from Georgia, just like I was, and having a lot of friends and family in the crowd. So this has been a comfortable place for App State for a while. I think this is going to be a huge test for them in this game. And I think the next 12 quarters of football will be a spell as well, just going forward. I think there's going to be pivotal in their future when you look at, look at their opponents. They have to close out the season. So I think they're going to be tested more than ever now. This two-game winning streak was great. But can we see them finish games against these strong, different teams in the conference that are kind of up to that different pedigree and that different standard? Caden, Georgia State, two-point favorite over under, sitting at 16 and a half. I'm going to go first here, and I'm going to say it. Georgia State is taking down App State for the first time in their program's history. Here's my reason. Who has App State beat on the road in the last two years? ULM. That's the only answer. That's the only team that they have beat on the road in the last two seasons. I think Georgia State, although not much of a fan advantage expected in Atlanta for this game, I do think they come out, play a good football game. I think Marcus Carroll is due for a big performance. I think he has one in this, and we've seen struggles from this App State defense. I think they're going to struggle a little bit more against Robert Lewis and Darren Granger. So give me Georgia State to win this game. They're going to cover over under at 16 and a half, I think is going down in this matchup. Yeah, this negative, this two and two and a half and three line that you're seeing in football now is definitely the representative of a home favorite. And I think to me, a two point home favorite for Georgia State just doesn't exist given the vibes of their stadium. So I think when you look at this game, I think it's going to be a close one. I think this is going to be the closest this matchup has been in its history, arguably, as far as looking at the talent on both sides of the ball. But I think this is a lose-lose situation for me. There's some people who want me to keep picking against App State and App State Nation because it's been going well for them. But I think App State is generally going to win this game, so I have to take App State in this one. I think when you look at this Georgia State team and this App State team, we just talked about it. It's going to be about can App State finish this game and play strong versus can Georgia State play four complete quarters. And I think right now, just given the state of two teams, I'm going to have to go with App State and their offense being consistent as it has been lately. I think they're going to be able to score early in this game, similar to the Marshall game, similar to the Southern Miss game, and kind of make Georgia State keep up with them. And the last two games for Georgia State, as much as they've had problems on offense, their defense has given up 42 and 44 points. And I think this App State team is built to do that. So give me App State winning this one. That means they cover, but I'll take the over on the points. Unlike you, I think there might be some fireworks in this game. And I think both defenses could have some headaches, both Georgia State's with the pass game of App State and then vice versa with the run game that Georgia State's going to present to App State's defense. Let's move on. Marshall versus Georgia Southern, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. This game on NFL Network. 
Georgia Southern entering with a five-game losing streak in this series dating back to 1993. The Eagles' only win in Huntington coming all the way back in 1990. Marshall is running out of time to get to a bowl game after such a promising start. Georgia Southern trying to solidify themselves as that top team in the East. Okay, let's talk Marshall first. They have had notable struggles on both sides of the ball, really dating all the way back to the NC State game. The Coastal game, in my opinion, last week was a bit of a microcosm of the season. They couldn't stop the shots on offense. They couldn't score on, or they couldn't score on offense, couldn't stop them on defense. Caden, what do they need to do to generate some momentum in this one? They have to make some changes, no, and I'm afraid they're not going to do it. I think this is just going to be sad Caden Corner when he's upset about his Marshall pick going to the conference championship game. That's clearly not going to happen as this team fights for a bowl game. I'm just really not optimistic them having to get two more wins to make a bowl game and having three games left in this season given the teams that they are playing. I'm afraid this Marshall team is just not going to be able to do what it takes to generate momentum in this one. We saw Southern Miss made a change of offensive coordinator amid their struggles and started playing their best ball in conference play after that. Charles Huff has already said they're not doing that on either side of the ball. I think this program has too much pride to do, and they've kind of earned that just given their pedigree of who they are. Understandably, I think they're going to stick it out and just continue to play their current style, but their current style of football clearly is not getting it done for them. I think early in the season, we gave this team the benefit of the doubt when they had some close wins against an ECU, a close game against Albany. They got the win over Virginia Tech in a similar fashion, and we were like, okay, it's clear that Marshall's formula is going to be to play great defense and run the rock. And then after that, we just did not see that from this team, and that's resulted in this losing streak we've seen. I think this team on the defensive side of the ball is going to have to rely on their strength of the defense. If These are the changes that I think should happen, but I don't know if they're going to happen for Marshall. But I think if I was Marshall, if I had to make changes and kind of create some momentum in these last three games, defensively, I'm leaning on my secondary, who's still allowing just the third least yards in the air this game. I'm playing a lot more man coverage, and I'm blitzing and trying to use guys like Owen Porter and legs up front to get after this Georgia Southern offense and make them uncomfortable, try to cause some sacks, try to cause some havoc, and try to cause some turnovers through playing aggressive style of defense. And then offensively, they just need some kind of evolution, both in the run game and the pass game. At first, I thought it was just the pass game that they really needed to evolve in because their quarterbacks were struggling in games where they were playing from behind. But now it's gotten to the point where they're struggling even more running the ball, getting Rasheen Ali going. So I think just offensively, they need more creativity. They need more motion. They need more just designed plays to get their guys in space, whether it's in the deep passing game or intermediately. But I just do not know if we're going to see that in this game, just given Marshall's history, what we've heard from their head coach and kind of their style of play. So they really need some innovation overall. But midseason, I just don't know if we're going to get that in the month of November as they close out the year. Yeah, I think Marshall has certainly been one of the most disappointing teams in the league, particularly after the hot start. Okay, let's move on. Georgia Southern is looking to bounce back after another poor road performance. There's been some notable poor road performances this year against Wisconsin, JMU, Texas State. What do you need to see from them, this defense and the offense in this matchup to make you feel good about Georgia Southern moving forward? Yeah, I think I'm going to feel good about this team moving forward regardless. But last week was definitely scary for this team. I think when you look at their two losses before that this year at James Madison, Wisconsin, we've mentioned it in the past. They were very much highlighted by turnovers, pressure on the quarterback, physical play up front in the trenches. And last week, they just got beat straight up for the first time. We thought that third down stops and turnovers for this Eagles defense were going to be the biggest keys for success and getting the ball back to their offense as much as they can. But now we know they need to stop the run as well. Texas State was able to dominate the time of possession, running the ball this game. And as they were kind of running the ball, winning the time of possession, they were also lighting up the scoreboard in the in the process. So I think that put the Eagles in a different spot this year, a very interesting spot to where now when you have your running back 
Jalen White playing great in the beginning of the game. You kind of have to take him out of the game and play catch up when you're in limited possessions and you're still turning the ball over and you're not as successful as you were on third down. You're going to see a loss like you saw last week for them. So I think offensively, you just kind of have to get your mojo back. We saw, we know Marshall will try to run the rock a lot in this game and play their part in controlling the clock. So maybe they will have to score early and often, but that's something we've seen them do this year. I think their offense kind of just has to revert back to them old selves, move the chains. They barely scored last week in they're playing a team that's given up over 35 in the last five games and they're playing an offense that hasn't really shown they can be proficient in scoring so i think this is a perfect opportunity for this georgia southern team to get their mojo back they're just gonna have to do what they've done in the past we have the two outlier games where they got out physical they do have the personnel and marshall to do that but they just haven't shown that lately and then i think other than that they can just revert back to their old selves offensively and defensively stop the run get turnovers and get off the field on third down Georgia Southern, two-and-a-half-point favorite over-under at 55-and-a-half. Caden, I'm going to go first here. I'm taking the Eagles in this one. I think that they have proven to be the better football team this year. I am concerned, though, that this game is on the road. I want to see them deliver to truly feel good about who Georgia Southern is the rest of the way. We have seen Davis Brin oscillate a little bit from good games games to, to bad games. I think he's due for a good game in this one, I think. The Marshall secondary is going to have some trouble with Davis Brin. I think the the Eagles defense can come up with an interception or two. Camp Fancher has certainly shown that he likes to throw interceptions. So give me Georgia Southern to win and cover the over-under at 55 and a half. I'm not sure how much Marshall is going to provide. They have not scored the football a ton lately. So give me the under in this game, a rare under for a Georgia Southern team. Yeah, this is one of the rare occasions in the year where I'm extremely bullish and might be betting some of my own money on this game. Georgia Southern only being favored by two and a half points in this game just makes absolutely no sense. I think the Vegas odds makers, whoever's making the bets, is still looking at Marshall's helmet and hasn't been looking what we've seen from Marshall playing lately. Marshall has lost the last five of their four of their games by 10 points, much less three points. I don't know why they'd be getting that at all. They haven't been able to score. They scored their first touchdown offensively last week for the first time in about three or four games. This offense for Georgia Southern does nothing but score. I just don't see, unless we see Marshall kind of revert to themselves as what they did in that James Madison game where they played elite lockdown defense and still had their offensive struggles. I just don't think there's any reason to believe Marshall is going to all of a sudden win this game, much less keep it within three points, just given their recent history and their losing streak they're on. So I think Georgia Southern is going to win this one emphatically. So I'm taking them to win. I'm taking them to cover, but I do agree with you on the points. I just don't know if Marshall can hold up their end of the bargain. I know that Georgia Southerns can, can and probably will get 30 points in this game or more. Is Marshall going to do that? You just can't rely on it. South Alabama versus Arkansas State at 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central on ESPN+. And, Kane, in my opinion, this is one of the more interesting matchups of the weekend. You've got an Arkansas State team that holds a 6-5 to advantage in the all-time series, although the Jags have won the last four straight. They've lost three games in Mobile, or the last three games in Mobile. Uh, Arkansas State has a chance to get to bowl eligibility. A loss would all but end South Alabama's chances at getting to a bowl game. Let's talk Arkansas State first in their resurgence. You begin the year 0-2. You're outscored 110-3 in those games, but then you rattle off wins in five of the last seven weeks. Both losses have come to perennial powers in the league, so it's worth mentioning. What's your take on the trajectory of this Red Wolves program ahead of Saturday's game, Cato? It's looking great. I'm loving what I've seen from Arc State lately this year, taking a big step forward, what we've seen in the past. And I think it's been pretty clear that the biggest and most obvious reason they've had this newfound success has been what they've found in their freshman quarterback, Jalen Rayner. He's been the key to this offense and really the key to this team's success that we've seen this year that's a little bit unprecedented compared to what we've seen in recent history. Their defense hasn't had any kind of revolution lately, but they did do a great job of stopping Louisiana's run game and really set this team up for some 
for success last week. So you got to give him credit there. Oh, and the Raging Cajuns to 17 points with Zion Chris playing majority of that game, not getting hurt until the fourth quarter. So it wasn't like that was the reason why they won or anything like that. But the offense is the difference. They're handling business versus who they need to for the first time. And I think it's just strictly because of the offense. You see the 37-point performance against Louisiana. That's huge. Probably the biggest win in conference play for this team in quite some time. Then they hang up 34 on ULM and they hang up 44 on Southern Miss. And both of those games are wins. Outside of last week, though, you look at their game against Troy, only three points in that one. Against Coastal Carolina, only 17 points in that one. They really make Louisiana look like Coastal Carolina made them look in that game, holding them to 17 and kind of having a similar game flow. And I think that's just very exciting when you look at this Arkansas State team and the struggles they have that have had in the past as far as not being able to even compete against the conference's top cop, top competition and always seeming to come up short against some of the teams that are more so in their league as far as record from a year-to-year basis. So I'm really excited about the trajectory of this team. Now they're heading into this matchup where they're playing a South Alabama team who is underachieving compared to what we've seen and will be expected from this team heading into the season. So I think Arkansas State's in a very cool and interesting spot as far as being able to, against, to make some noise against a opponent that's usually had their way against them. And I'm really just excited for the rest of the season for this Arkansas State team, not to jump ahead, but Jonesboro fans, I'm locked in. I'm I'm hoping y'all make this bowl game. Y'all have three very interesting matchups against the South Alabama team, this Marshall team that we just talked about in Texas State. Three great opportunities for a team that's proven they could finally play and compete in games like this when they usually haven't been. So I'm just excited. I love the trajectory of this team, and a lot of it has to do with their quarterback for sure. Yeah, it's hard to believe when you think back uh, to the preseason, Caden. I think if you would have told us that Arkansas State was going bowling and South Alabama was sitting home, I think we probably would have called you crazy and might have checked your temperature. Uh, Let's talk South Alabama and and more particularly Carter Bradley's health. He's been limited at practice all week. We're being told he's a true game time decision. Caden, how important is his status to this team's success tomorrow? I can't think of a player's status being more important than Carter Bradley's status compared to this team. I mean, when you look at Carter Bradley this season and a lot of the team's struggles that they've had this season, you can't put really any of them on Carter. I think even what really shows how important he is to this team, I feel like, is how well he's played and how much he's had to play well in their losses to even keep them close in those games. You think about the two-lane game where he gets sacked five times, the James Madison game where he gets sacked five times in the game against Louisiana where he gets hurt and he gets sacked five times. And all those games, he kept his team more competitive than they probably could have been and should have been. And that had to do with his elevated play this season. He's been dishing the ball, has a great relationship with Colin Lacey, arguably better than the relationship he had with Jalen Wayne on the field as far as their connection last season. I think if he's not in this game, this offense just completely loses, loses their biggest piece of the puzzle. And we saw that with their performance last week. You think Carter Bradley playing against Troy isn't going to be able to convert one single third down? That's what this team did last week without him. And I think that just shows the impact this guy has as far as being able to move the chains regularly for this team and get the most out of his wide receivers. They're still going to have the run game with LaDamian Webb. Their defense has kind of been hit or miss this year as far as the standard they've been able to play to. They've been playing better against teams that haven't been necessarily good versus the teams that, are been, that have been kind of more critically acclaimed and offensively acclaimed, have kind of risen to the occasion and been able to score some points on them. So I'm very curious to see how this team rallies against the Arkansas State team who they're used to knowing and used to learning or used to owning rather, but now probably through watching film or learning that this is a little bit different of an animal. So I'm excited for this matchup just given the stock of both teams, but I think Carter Bradley's status is definitely the most important thing as far as the result for sure for either side really. South Alabama coming in an 11 and a half point favorite over under at 55 and a half. Caden, how are you feeling about this matchup? 
This is so tough. I think obviously if Carter Bradley wins this game, this team or plays in this game, South Alabama is able to win this game. And I think the same goes for Arkansas State. If, if he's not playing, I think that gives them a lot more of an opportunity and advantage to win this game. I'm going to assume that Carter Bradley is going to play in this game and try to finish the season out for this team. And I assume he's going to be out there. So with those assumptions being made, I'm going to take South Alabama winning in this one. But I think whether he plays or doesn't play, I think Arkansas State does cover 11 and a half points is a lot for this team that's coming off of one of their most impressive wins of the season and has proven they're a dangerous offense and a defense who can have moments and show up in a couple quarters and a couple spots and do their offense some real solid moves and get them in a position to win. So I think Arkansas State is going to cover in this game. I think South Alabama is going to win. But I'm going to take the over on the points. I think both teams, regardless of who's playing quarterback, are going to be able to get some points in this one. Caden, last week, Arkansas State, a nine-point underdog against Louisiana. They went on to win by 20 in that game. I think we're in that same realm of possibilities here. I'm drinking the Arkansas State Kool-Aid. I have this team going to a bowl game uh, with a win over South Alabama. I think they are going to cover this spread in a positive way. Over under at 55 and a half, in my opinion, probably isn't getting touched, but I'm buying what's happening in Jonesboro right now. I'm happy for Butch Jones and this team after enduring what they've endured. And now I hope the fans come out and start to support uh, this Arkansas State program that I think is going bowling this year. So we'll move on. ULM versus Troy Kane. We've got two more matchups this ULM Troy game, the Old Dominion Liberty game. We're going to go kind of speed round here at the end. Not a ton of intrigue, in my opinion, in these games, but. ULM Troy, 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central on ESPN+. Plus. Surprised at how close the all-time series was when I went and looked. Troy actually just holding an 8-7 to advantage. Troy has won three of the last four. They did lose in 2021. They lost five of six from 2018 or 2008 to 2015. Again, ULM won't have won a Sunbelt Conference game in 364 days when they take the field on Saturday. Their last win was actually in Week 11 last year against Georgia State. Troy 11 and two in Sunbelt play over the last two seasons. Kane, let's talk about this Troy team. They've been a juggernaut the last two seasons. I teased it on a past episode. I want you to compare them to those App State championship teams, the teams that won back-to-back titles from 2018 to 2019. What similarities do you see to some of the championship teams that you played on? That's a great question, Noah. I think first and foremost, it starts with a stellar defense. I know in today's football and the game of football as a whole, offense has changed a lot. It seems like kind of the king. It seems like what moves the needle the most, but defense is still ultimately what wins championships. This Trojans defense this season's holding teams to 16 points a game after holding to 17 and a half the week before. When you look at App State's back-to-back championship runs, 2018, we were holding teams to 15 points a game and in 2019, 20 points a game, which was second in the conference. So I think when you look at their defense right now, just like those App State teams from back in the day, they're deep at all three levels. You can't mess with them up front. They're lying back in core, sideline to sideline, and their defensive backs are locked down and elite. So I think that's where it all starts. I think when you look at championship success in this conference, that's where it all starts and ends, but not necessarily ends in today's game of football with the offense. We'll keep the offense out of it because App State's teams were a little bit built different as far as their high-powered offenses that complemented their defense's offense. still has a lot of that firepower. We've seen a big improvement from last season, and that's why they're still in the driver's seat as far as what they've been able, been able to do this season. But both teams have those championship intangibles. You never have to question tackling. You never have to question receivers blocking downfield energy, offensive execution, all the little things that matter, all the intangibles, all the leadership, all those little things that you can't really measure. Troy's oozing with it. It's all because of their head coach. And I think it's very clear that they're primed for another return to the conference championship. And I just can't wait to see which style of play they choose to play in this game against opponent. They probably have a huge advantage over when we see them kind of been able to adjust and adapt to who they're playing. 
Yeah, it kind of seems like perhaps maybe this is a, a lab game for John Summerall and company, a chance to maybe try some things out in this matchup. Troy, 21 and a half point favorite over under at 45 and a half. Caden, I'll go first here. Real simple for me. Troy wins this game, and I'm even going to take them to cover the spread at 21 and a half. You're talking about a ULM team that put up seven points versus Southern Misses defense. They have not been that good this year either. Troy might pitch their second shutout of the season, in my opinion, in this game. Caden, I am going to go under on the points because I just don't know that ULM is going to provide much and hold up their end of the bargain in this game. Yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down, Noah. Maybe if ULM was coming off of that 40-point performance we saw against App State, I feel a little bit more bullish about them maybe covering or even scoring in this game. But after Southern Miss was able to lock them down with one of the worst defenses in the conference, you can't just flip the switch and play the best defense in the conference and expect to pass the 50-yard line that much. Better yet, get into the end zone. So I think Troy's going to win in this one, too. I think they're going to cover, and I'm hoping they can show off some of their offensive muscles in this game, really have a good Gunnar Watson game, really a Kamani Vidal game. And I'm going to predict it now. When we put out our graphic for Offensive Players of the Week this week, I guarantee there's going to be a Troy Trojan definitely as a nominee as one of those three guys. So give me Troy to win, Troy to cover, and I'm going to take the under on the points for the same reason you are. I think Troy's going to be able to score, but I just do not see ULM being able to put a double-digit amount of points up in this game. Last matchup on Saturday, Old Dominion versus Liberty, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central on ESPN+. Plus. ODU coming in just 1-3 and all-time versus the Flames, the Two games in Lynchburg, they've lost by a combined 70 points. They lost last year at home 38-24 to to Liberty. ODU faces the second undefeated team in the last two weeks. They lost 30-27 to to James Madison in Week 9. Caden, ODU has outperformed expectations this year. They're 4-5 and five entering Saturday. They're facing a nationally ranked Flames team. They lost two games, or their last two games of the regular season are going to be against Georgia Southern and Georgia State, who are both bowl eligible. Kane, what do you need to see from this team down the stretch? Can they finish? I mean, this Old Dominion team has had some really special moments this season, but can they put it together down the stretch to make this a special season, I think is the question. Like you mentioned, they're one win away from bowl eligibility and doubling their win total from last year, which would be really impressive just given their last three opponents. Like you've mentioned, State, Southern, and Liberty are no slouches. Those are all tough teams to play. And I think that this team can rise to the occasion and beat even one of these teams going to be something they can really hang their hat on going into the offseason I think I want to see them maintain their offensive execution their scheme's been really good to them really solid for them would like to see them maintain that in this game and throughout the rest of the season as well as their defense really overachieving and I think proving that they were the defense I thought they were last year that really wasn't getting many favors from their offense which resulted in some of their numbers not being there they're getting some of those favors now and all of a sudden you're seeing them slowly but surely climb their way up the defensive ranking as far as yards and points allowed per game in this conference. So this is obviously a tough matchup. A Liberty win would be very impressive, but I think we did not see this team flinch when they stood toe-to-toe to JMU. If we can see them do that against this Liberty team, I think it's going to be great for the morale of this team, the morale of this program. I'm really excited to watch them get after it because this is not an easy team to beat in Old Dominion. I would love to see them for the rest of the season continue to prove that, if not with wins, with at least closer gritty games that we've become accustomed to seeing with Old Dominion football this year. Liberty coming in a 13 and a half point favorite over under at 59 and a half. Caden, I'll go first again here. It's it's fair to argue about how good Liberty is, in my opinion, outside of maybe Western Kentucky. Who have they played this year in Western Kentucky? Hasn't been that impressive lately. Conference USA has not been a very good league top to bottom, but I still think they're going to have enough to win this game at home. I don't think they're going to cover, though. Give me ODU to cover in a closer-than-expected game that has almost enough points to hit you know, hit the over in this game, but I, I think we're still going under on the 59.5. 
Yeah, it's a tough spot for Old Dominion. I think them being at home would definitely feel a lot more favorable as far as them being able to win this game. But I think when it comes to what Liberty's been able to do this season and stacking wins together back to back to back to back to back times, when a team just gets addicted to winning and they get in the month of November, and we know how Jamie Chadwell is as well in the month of November with his teams historically, I think there's going to be too much for this Old Dominion team. So give me Liberty winning this game. But I do think, like you mentioned, Old Dominion does have the skill and the capability to keep this one close. So I do think they cover in a game that's closer than expected. I'm going to take the over on the point. I think both of these teams have been able to do their part as far as scoring this year. I've mentioned that Old Dominions typically do with their scheme just to get three touchdowns up on the board. And we've seen this Liberty team in the last couple of weeks score 50 points, 42 points, 42 points. So I think they're going to be able to hold up their bargain. And I think they've also allowed quite a few points in those matchups as well. So I think I'm going to take the over on the point surprising in this one. And I'm going to take Old Dominion covering. Well, that's going to do it for our Week 11 preview. Kane and I can't wait to prop up our feet and watch some Sunbelt ball this weekend. Before you go, here's a quick reminder that we'll be back on Monday. We'll be dropping our Week 11 recap. We'll recap all this week's biggest games, including the midweek game between Louisiana and Southern Miss. That'll do it for us here at the Frarian Smith Podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please go leave us a five-star review on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, wherever you're listening to this episode. Give us five stars. Let us know what we can be doing better or what you're enjoying about the show these days. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Freire. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.